Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Non-binary listeners, ladies and gentlemen, heroes and crooks, Walter Becker and Donald Feagan. The audio performance you are about to enjoy discusses casinos and gambling. We do not recommend gambling with money you cannot afford to lose or that is needed to pay bills. If you have a gambling problem, contact your problem gambling hotline. If you do not know how to contact your problem gambling hotline, send an email to help at casinocombat.com. We will find that number for you and provide it to you. Our hosts' past performances are not indicative of anyone's future results, including his own. All materials presented here are based on actual facts. Names and dates are changed to protect the innocent and the guilty. Some events, unrelated outcomes, may be omitted in the interest of brevity and clarity. It is, it's me, it's T-R-G. You call me a fool. You say it's a crazy scheme. This one's for real. I already bought the dream. They got a name for the winners in the world. I want a name when I lose. They call Alabama the Crimson Tide. They call me the Rambling Gambler. It does seem like only yesterday that I gazed through the glass at Ramblers, Wild Gamblers. Well, it's all in the past. No, it's really not. We know that. It's in the present and the future. Welcome to episode 120 of our Casino Combat Podcast. If you are returning to formation or just joining the squad for the first time, welcome, welcome, welcome. Make yourself at home. Let us know how we can help. All right, everyone, let's start with the battle plan. And I think I have a bit of news from the Casino Combat Galaxy here somewhere as well. So let's get these items out of the way before we get started. Our battle plan today is a bit different. And I think there are some lessons here, but it is admittedly going to be more uh, traveling results and a little less teachy, teachy, preachy, preachy. We'll get back to that next episode. Trust me, I promise. Here's what we're going to do today. I'm going to start with the questions my sons ask segment. I have an excellent question from Inner Circle member Gator Gambler, as well as a repeated online, uh, I was going to say rumor, I'm going to say conspiracy theory that I want to respond to. And I'm going to follow that up with a travel segment just to talk about a new casino we visited and some observations from that visit. And then I will segue into a results segment to cover the monthly results for August 2023. And I know we usually do that in the virtual VIP lounge, but I've got a couple of news stories for you that deserve time to be enjoyed with some sips. So we will finish up with that a couple of what I think are great VIP lounge kind of stories that uh, that occurred as part of our travels. So that's how we'll lay all that out. And we will get started in a minute, but I was right. I do have an update from one of our squad mates to share with you. We met Dice Shark in a question segment back in episode 118. He was on his way to Vegas and sent an update when he got back. Here is what he sent me. Dice Shark says, thanks for answering my questions on episode 118. I tried TRG Wagering System 1 in Vegas, 
First session on blackjack, loser, left the table with three in the play stack. Second blackjack session, winner, left with seven in the win stack. Played the roll to win craps table on the don't pass line, three unit win. I'm up to episode 24 while taking some time to catch up to the new episodes. I am all in with the casino combat lifestyle, thanks, Dice Shark. And so I do really appreciate Dice Shark sending us a follow-up so that we knew what happened and how things went. Sounds like a solid outing and good results from TRG1, the ironically named The One, The Only. All right, we are started. We are up to speed. Let's do questions my sons ask. What? 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 My sons ask questions about gambling. They've been around it all their lives. Listeners also ask questions about gambling. And in this case, Inner Circle member Gator Gambler sent me a bubble craps question that I wanted to share with all of you. He says, TRG, if one wanted to accumulate tier credits to make it to a new level using MGM's tier status accelerator, how many hours would you estimate it would take to earn 20,000 tier credits or... 40,000 tier credits by sitting at a bubble craps machine. Also, using bubble craps or digital Bach, couldn't I just make a pass line and a don't pass line wager for the same amount with the risk of losing on the come out roll if a 2, 3, or 12 is rolled for my don't come or my don't bet? Or bet both banker and player at Baccarat willing to lose 5% on the banker commission. I know if you go to do this at the lives tables, this is frowned upon, and I don't even know if they rate you or how they'd rate you. I'd love to hear your thoughts because I'd love to earn platinum using this accelerator. And then he provided the accelerator he's talking about, which I'm familiar with. It's uh, MGM Properties, and it's only Vegas MGM Properties. It works like this. If you earn 40,000 tier credits in one promotional day, which is, I believe, 5 a.m. to 5 a.m., it's not a clock day, it's a calendar promotional day. But if you earn 40,000 tier credits, you receive 60,000 tier credits as a bonus. That's 100,000 tier credits in one day for platinum tier status in just two days. And to fill in a couple gaps there, no wait, so he says thanks G squared. Just to fill in a couple gaps there for you. Platinum status is MGM's tier before NOR, which is invitational. It's their fourth tier. It's kind of similar to Caesar's uh, seven stars tier. Uh, And then they do have a NOR tier that's a tier above that uh, is kind of really hard to get into. Uh, It's more than just points. It's points and being recommended and et cetera. And this is new to MGM. Caesars has used things like this for years, where if you earn so many points in a day, they throw on bonus points. But MGM redid their program at the beginning of the year. It's now more in alignment with Caesars' program. And a lot of their regulars don't like it, because it is more play-centric now, harder to spend your way to the top tier. So this is what he's asking about. And I, so my reply was, hey, G2, I was just thinking the other day that I had not heard from you in a while. This is actually a complicated question. Electronic table games tier credits vary wildly from location to location. In Atlantic City, they earn zero, that's right, zero tier credits. At the MGM Grand in Detroit, they do reward tier credits, but not in a way that makes sense when I compare it to normal craps tables. I don't recall from my April visit, my April Vegas trip, how the MGM properties on the strip handle those. 
My local casino does reward tier credits for Bubble Crafts play at a rate of one point for each $5 don't pass bet resolved. If MGM is doing something similar, then 40,000 tier credits at $5 per point is $200,000 coin in. That means you'd have to bet $200,000 to get to the number of points that he's asking about. Again, locally, the max bet is $3,000. That's 67 wagers resolved. I'll be conservative and say one bet is resolved every five minutes. Call it six hours, give or take. You could speed up the process by making some $3,000 DC bets if the machine would allow it, and you'd make those after the point is established to get more points for each big red that rolls out. Honestly, I think if I was going to swing that big, I'd probably take it to a physical table at 3 a.m. on a Tuesday and just start chucking the dice. Now the rest of it. I don't know if the machines will let you place a pass and a don't pass at the same time. I'll try to remember to test that when I'm at the, the casino this week. Side note, I did test it. My local casino will not allow a don't pass and a pass. Once you make one of those two bets, the other bet is not allowed. The machine will not take that bet, and it will tell you that bet's not allowed. In Atlantic City, that bet can be made at the Caesars property with the Tropicana, where I tested it, but those machines give no tier points, and I ask around a little bit, and it's for exactly that reason, among others, but that is one of the main reasons they don't give tier credits on those machines, is because you could simply make the don't pass and the pass wagers, and then basically lose statistically next to nothing, and just sit there and rack up tier points. So they're trying to prevent comp hustlers and tier hustlers from from using that method to generate points with no risk. Back to my response. We are finding a lot of variation on things like this with bubble craps. Bets that you can make on a table, even if frowned upon, but not make on a machine. This can vary even in the same building. As an example, locally on the first floor, there are five machines. You can make field bets after a don't pass point is established and take them down at any time without taking down the don't pass bet. You do this using the clear last bet feature. On the second floor, there are three machines, and the only way to take down or change the field bets, other than losing, is to take down all bets, leaving the machine unplayable with a point established and no bets made. You have to pull your card and money or make a random bet to get the dice to bounce again. Also, you cannot, on any of the machines, establish a don't pass point and then set up an iron cross. It simply won't take the bets. I don't have electronic Baccarat to test with, so I can't comment on that one. The way I can see hedging working in real life would be link your MGM cards, yours and your partner's. They have different account numbers. If you enter and the other person enters the game at the same time on a different end of the table, and you don't give away the fact that you know each other, it is reasonable to think that probably no one notices. You just play opposite each other. Ditto Baccarat. What are they going to do? Object to one person betting house and the other betting bank? I mean, maybe the software is sophisticated enough to detect the link cards and alert surveillance. Who knows? How smart are they? How much are they paying attention? I'll try to scope out the pass-don't-pass options this week and get back to you, which you just heard about. Great question. Thanks for checking in. TRG.
Always great to hear from Inner Circle members and Excelsior Brigade members. That was a great question, and it's a complicated one. As I said, we are seeing lots of variation on how this these machines are handled in a variety of ways in a variety of places. The other question on this, if you were really going to try to do it and run through $200,000, $3,000 at a time, you'd have to make sure that the machine you were going to do this on would print out the payout slip for more than $1,200. There are a number of casinos, including my home casino, Casino 2, where if you try to cash out anything more than $1,199, it is handled by a slot attendant. And my understanding, having never tried it, but my understanding is they do take taxes out of that. And then you would have to file to get them back and demonstrate that you hadn't actually won that money. It's a little complicated. These bubble crafts machines are intended to be low roller tables. And I don't mean that in a derogatory fashion. They're intended to be for the person who walks up to a crafts table, wants to play, sees a $15 or a $25 minimum and goes, yeah, I'm not doing that. Oh, look, here's a machine where I can bet a dollar or $2 or $5, depending on what the minimums are. I can just play around and have fun. And these games are not always as well protected as they perhaps should be. So there's a lot of variables there. But questions about electronic games are always interesting and fascinating questions. I always appreciate them. And so on that track, let me take on real quickly one other bubble craps topic that pops up, no pun intended, on a fairly regular basis online. The conspiracy theory is that bubble craps machines are really just slot machines. They're really not craps. And so for a lack of a better thought there, they're, they're just, they look like craps machines, but they're controlled to have a house advantage, a household in the 10 to 15% range, just like slots. Now that for a lot of these bets, that's way out of line. If you're making place bets, you're just betting the numbers. If you're betting pass, don't pass bet, that's a massively better house advantage than you should get if they're manipulating the dice to get results that align with slot machines. That's the conspiracy theory. That somehow there are magnets or hooks or this or that that force the odds on the machine to pay out slot odds and then that's rumor that conspiracy theory is reinforced because, as I said, there are casinos that pay wins of more than $1,200 as a slot hand pay. So see, that proves that the results are manipulated. And then fun, 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 and I'm going to address this. Sometimes this proof is followed with the claim that my friend's brother worked at a small independent casino and he said that's how they did things. And I'm going to come back to that one in a minute. But let's start with the basics. And I am not going to try to speak for every single state in the United States where gambling is legal. I mean, frankly, I am too busy or too lazy to do the research on the gambling regulations in every single state. And I certainly don't know about every casino in every country. However... Nevada has a regulation that requires any game using dice or cards or the simulation of dice and cards 
to conform to the statistical outcomes the physical object would create. So, even if it's a full computer simulation involving dice, the outcome must be the same as if the dice were tossed by hand. The odds must be the same. And if that's true of virtual dice, it certainly must be true of two physical dice bouncing in a tube. You can't control that to make numbers come up more or less often than they would come up as real dice being thrown on a real table. And that means in Nevada, at least, you cannot in some fashion adult the outcomes to conform to slot payout rules instead of random dice behavior. Now, from there, let's be realistic and admit that states that legalized gambling use the Nevada regulations as a starting point in almost all cases, or they're derived therefrom. Like, for instance, I don't know that the Pennsylvania Gaming Commission didn't base their regulations on New Jersey's instead of Nevada's, but where did New Jersey get theirs? They were second. They copied Nevada. They largely copied Nevada. If it looks like a duck, it's a duck. If it looks like a dice game, it's going to perform like a dice game. The fact that someone on the internet lost what is to them a lot of money because the bubble craps machine rolled a big red six times right after the point was established does not mean the game is rigged. It means strange things happen when you roll two dice enough time and sometimes losers lose. No licensed casino needs to cheat to win. The rules are set up for them to win. And to wrap this thought up, let's look at that other objection. The brother's friend who works at an independent casino. First of all, brother's friend is not a real source. It's a justification for BS. It really is. Beyond that, knowing how three illegal slot machines hidden in a closet at the local VFW post are run is not the same as knowing how licensed casinos operate their equipment under regulation. Again, licensed casinos don't need to cheat to win. They just need to let the dice, physical or virtual, land as they will. You know, I wasn't going to do this. It isn't in the outline. It isn't in the notes. But let me address one other question. And this was a real question. Inner Circle member ECE asked me this the last time we were together and hanging out in Atlantic City. As we were having lunch in the VIP lounge, he said, how much time does it take you to do an episode? I really think you should share that with people, TRG. I really think you should tell them that. I think they need to know. I think they need to understand what's involved. Now, I'm not, I don't know if he's right or wrong. I don't know if any of you have that question besides him, and I don't know if any of you care. But I have learned to take the advice and counsel of the inner circle members I've gotten to know, the Excelsior Brigade members that I've gotten to know, those that have taken the time to get to know me, I have learned to, to treat that as useful information and feedback. And so I'm going to trust him on this one, and I'm going to try to kind of lay it out. An episode is usually outlined at about mm, 20 pages. Give or take. Obviously, some of them go a bit longer, and obviously, sometimes I ad-lib a little more from the outlines than than uh, than I do others. Sometimes I do ramble a bit, and that extends the time of the pages. But it's usually about 20 written pages, 
normally I have the ideas in my notes and then I pull the ideas and sketch out the outlines. I do some of the research. I look up some of the little quibs and quotes and numbers and stats and try to get the facts right. It usually takes me three, four hours to lay out an episode and then a little bit of time to edit it and just kind of mentally go through it and make some scribbles in the margins. And then if all of that turns out to be an hour, an hour and a half, it probably takes me two hours to record it, two and a half hours to record it. And then it goes off and gets edited and the editing takes about twice as long as whatever time you hear. So you call it eight hours to get it to the point where it can be edited. And then whatever the end run time ends up being, it took at least double that to get it edited. So more, more than a business day in total. I don't usually do it all at once. And then admittedly, sometimes it sits with T-Rex and, until he has an opportunity in his life to get to it. And sometimes we fudge a little bit and, and he's taught me to do some of the edits or Billy jumps in. But that's kind of the time involved. That's that's the answer to ECE's question. You're getting more than eight hours of effort to get a one-hour episode. And if that's helpful and useful to you, great. Happy to answer that question, not trying to hide any of that information. So, <laughs> now that I rambled, what's next? Um, oh, right. Travel. Let's go. I'll do results in a minute, talk about the gambling for the month, break down the entire month for you, share real results, but we went on an adventure to a new casino, and I wanted to share that with you first as a true travel segment, as a true, this is what the trip looked like, this is why we took it, because this is this is a podcast about winning the game of casino gambling, but this is also a podcast about winning the game of casino gambling so you can live a casino lifestyle. So that you can enjoy resorts and amenities and hotel stays and great meals and and do that either on someone else's money or at a greatly discounted rate because they're giving you a lot more than you might happen to lose. And we love exploring new casinos. It's always interesting. It's almost always fun. Sometimes it's more interesting than fun. You never know, right? You never know what you're going to run into. And in this case... We have not been able to figure this out, but for years, even before the pandemic, we were getting these offers in the mail from a casino called Rocky Gap, which was about four hours from where we live. Now, I'd never heard of it, looked it up. It had nothing I could see to do with anything we'd ever been a part of, no clue how they would have gotten our name or information, but they would consistently send us an offer for two comp nights with some free play and a resort credit. And we decided that with more time on our hands now, we should go check out this resort a short four hours away. And then the ironic part is I did eventually figure out um, they have an app. They had a thing in the room that said, here, get our app. And so, of course, Casino Wisdom teaches us if there's an app, get the app. So I do get the app, and I find out that this casino's reward system is tied in with a bunch of grocery stores, that's new. That makes no sense. Some sports bars on the East Coast, a, a, a chain apparently that I've never heard of, not being really an East Coast guy, and the Stratosphere in Las Vegas. The Stratosphere is the other casino for some reason tied in with this reward system. So that's where they got my information, right? I've been 
not a lot, don't play a lot at the Stratosphere, but I've been to the Stratosphere enough times in my 30 plus years doing this and played there a few times, have a rewards card from them. So that's where they got my contact information. That's how they decided to, to send me this offer, I assume. Obviously, Rocky Gap Management might say, oh, no, 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 we paid Caesars. That's possible, but it seems unlikely. So we decided we should go check this out. We booked the two nights, and then we're looking at the map and the route, and we realize that one of the two routes would basically drive right past both Casino 1 and Casino 2, and while taking about 15 minutes longer, would save us about 50% on tolls. So since Casino 2 is our home casino... We figured, why not just add a day to our trip, drive over, stop there. We followed Casino Wisdom number 63 to make that choice. We planned around our promotions. We had room comps at both Casino 1 and Casino 2. Our free slot play free and free bets were much better at our home casino. We hadn't been there in a while. We hadn't been to the My Choice property two and a half hours south and east of our house in a while. So we decided why not go over, spend the night, extend it into a, a true mini vacation, spend the evening there, and it was great. Between the room comps, the food comps that we were able to give ourselves using free tax-free imaginary money that they'd given us, and the various free bets and free slot play that we had both the day we arrived and a new set that the, the day we were, were leaving, we decided that with all that and having looked it over, the entire comp package was almost three days' pay just for stopping in and having a fun evening. That is casino lifestyle. And as we left, my wife asked how we did, and I told her that despite struggling to do much at the blackjack tables during the evening, that when it was all said and done, we'd had a little bit of things going our way at the end while hanging out with a great couple from New Jersey. We had walked out of the building with $20 more than we walked in with, and we hadn't charged anything to our credit or debit card. So we had a profit of $20. It's not much. We had to drive past our home casino anyway. The food was good. The drinks were good. We had fun. We got exposure to that brand again. We got reward credits and tier credits for the Pen Gaming My Choice brand again. And we made money. That's a win. And on to Rocky Gap we go. The Rocky Gap Resort and Casino sits next to a state park on a large lake near a golf course with mountain views. It is absolutely beautiful. And the casino is very small as casinos go. The entire casino was less than a third of the size of Casino 1 or Casino 2. And let's be honest, those are small compared to something like Caesars Palace in Las Vegas or even just resorts in Atlantic City, which is not particularly a large casino either. So very, very tiny, tiny, tiny casino. Our room was great. The outdoor spaces were great, including an outdoor bar with a happy hour that looked out across the lake and at the mountains. Absolutely beautiful. That said, food choices were very limited. A fancy sit-down restaurant, the kind with $75 steaks, which was also the room service kitchen if you ordered room service. There was a sports bar by the pool, which also served as the bar for the pool. And there was a bar and deli in the lobby, which served some hot items from the sports bar as well, 
And that was about it. Now, that's not to complain about the food. Everything was good. All the meals that we had were fine, more than fine. But variety was a bit lacking. If you were sitting there and you went, you know, I really want Italian. You know, I really want Asian in some fashion. I really want uh, what? Mexican. I really want tacos. Uh, No. Unless the sports bar happened to have tacos. I mean, if you actually wanted tacos, not enchiladas or whatever, well, too bad. Um, That can be a problem in these smaller places uh, where I'm trying to think where, 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 where. Oh, the, the indigenous people's casino that we've been to a couple times. Almost no matter which restaurant you're going to, they're cooking out of the same kitchen. You're getting the same food. This is that kind of thing. So, as I said, variety was lacking, even with only a two-night stay. A fun wrinkle to this, and it's an observation, it's not really a complaint, but when I called to order room service the morning we were going to leave, an order that was going to be, due to the limits of the menu, basically the same breakfast order we'd placed the day before, I was told the computer was down, so they couldn't do room service. And I said, fine, okay, and I told my wife, but I said, just mentally, it's like, huh? Your resort isn't that big. You can't be that busy. You can't write down scrambled eggs and toast and a veggie omelet and send it up? I mean, the world just stops because a computer is broken and you don't have somebody to fix it and you don't have any way to work around it? This shouldn't be that hard. Not a big deal. We were checking out anyway. We were headed back home anyway. We finished up, we checked out, we found a Bob Evans, we had a wonderful breakfast. Mrs. TRG, the radiant goddess of casino combat, did not go hungry. So as I said, the casino was small, but functional, which probably makes sense. I'm going to guess that once the golf course closes, weekday days, midwinter, are going to be really slow in this casino. I wouldn't be surprised if they sometimes are closed from 2 a.m. to... 10 a.m., and I don't know that for a fact. I'm just saying it wouldn't be surprising. This doesn't strike me as a place that is super busy on a February Tuesday at 8 a.m. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I got to go back and check it out, but that's my thought. During the day, they had a $25 minimum two-deck blackjack game offered and a pair of continuous shuffle $10 games as well. And to their credit, at the end of each hand, all cards played on the continuous shuffle were quickly returned to the shuffler. Now, not my first choice, but a very playable game. As I said, even if not my first choice. And I also want to point out that we were there on a Friday night and a Saturday day and night. And these are the configurations that we saw for the casino. So once again, back to that hypothetical Tuesday in February... Probably one table, maybe. Maybe just the the slot machines are on and we're opening the tables at 4 o'clock. None of that would be beyond belief. Now, they also had a secondary pit of four blackjack tables, including one six-deck shoe game that I correctly assumed would be open in the evening when they had more demand, which leads to the first of several funny stories. It probably shouldn't surprise any of us that I quickly realized that among the dealers and pit bosses, I was perhaps the most experienced casino participant on the floor, which was so very, very true. It provided, in fact, a couple of great VIP lounge stories for later in the episode. But having realized this, as I saw the crew start to open the extra blackjack pit, I stopped and I said to the pit boss, would you hold two seats for us at the end of the table 
when they finish opening the shoe game? And his response was, oh, no, no. I mean, I'm sorry, but this is a private table for one of our best regulars. And then he tried to soften it. He said, do you not like pitch games? He meant double deck. Clearly, they considered that their best game. And from a rules point of view, perhaps it is. And I told him that I didn't not like pitch games, but with almost one deck cut out of the shuffle at a full table, it just wasn't a very efficient way to play. A shoe game is a much more efficient game. And he started to explain, and I did. I I just cut him off, and I said, I understand. You have to protect the game against card counters. See, I'm flexing a bit here. I'm illustrating my knowledge of the game, and perhaps Mitch will tell me I shouldn't do that. We'll find out. (laughs) Stay tuned. Um, But I did. I cut him off, and I said, I understand you have to protect the game against card counters. You have seven spots at the table, which will be full because the casino is small, so you have to be able to finish a hand, even with lots of splits and doubles, right at the end of where you place the cut card. Not a big deal. I understand. We will certainly find a game to enjoy. And we did. But I watched. Once the, the shoe game was open, dealer in place, reserve sign prominently displayed, it sat empty, for about 90 minutes. Eventually, the best regular and his group arrived and started their game. He played one, sometimes as many as two green chips. The others in his group mostly sat and talked and drank and occasionally made a $10 or $15 wager. They played for about 40 minutes and then all wandered away. The table sat empty for another five minutes or 45 minutes or so, and the pit boss came over to us at the table we were at where Mrs. TRG had a nice pile of green chips, and I had a pile of green and black chips, and where multiple people, this is the key point, multiple people were waiting for a seat to open up so they could play the $15 minimum table. There were some seats at $25 available other places. We just happened to have sat in on this one so I could watch the other table. And so he comes over and he says, um... It doesn't look like we need to reserve that table anymore. Would you like to move over to the shoe game you ask about? And I said no. We were enjoying the other people at the table and we were winning. We were fine for the evening, but thank you very much for thinking of us. The table sat open the rest of the time that we were in the casino that first night. And the next day, since this was an adventure, since this was an exploration, since we were in the new part of the country, the next day we went and took an historic train ride to a small town, went to a carriage museum and saw some really unique uh, Rockefeller-era horse carriages. So much luxury. Still would be tough on your back, I suspect, with the bumps, but luxury in a way we would not normally associate it with riding in a, a, a wagon pulled by a horse. And so we did some exploring, came back, had a dinner, got cleaned up, and there had been a wedding and a reception in the resort, so the casino that night was full of dressed-up civilians with drinking and gambling as their entertainment. Exactly the kind of players a casino like this is put together for. And I'm sure they all decided, or most of them decided, coming in how much they were going to lose and that most of them accomplished that goal and had a wonderful time doing it. Now before we wrap up and move on, I said this was a small casino and it was. But it did have one large and unique feature. Nope. Not a fountain, not a Buddha statue. The large, dominant feature on the casino floor was an ATM machine. Now, normally, casino ATMs are small, tucked out of the way, 
so that if as some people refer to it, if you have to take that walk of shame and get some more money, it's a little bit of a private thing between you and the ATM. Now, sometimes the ATMs are larger and more visible because they're for cashing slot machine payout tickets and happen to also be ATMs. But in this casino, the cage took up most of one wall, understandably, as I said, small casino, and right in the middle of the cage, right between window two and window three, was a huge ATM larger than a large refrigerator. And it is housed in an ornate walnut cabinet. This thing was massive. And you were not going to just discreetly walk up and withdraw a few dollars. You were going to be in line with everybody waiting your turn. And when you got to the front of the line, you were then going to walk up to an ATM that you almost couldn't extend your arms across, that you couldn't quite reach the top of, and you were going to do your transaction at a massive wall of a machine, basically in the middle of the casino. And maybe they saw that as a way to prevent problems. I don't know, but it just really seemed different. I was going to say weird or strange, but no, different to make a big ATM, a central figure in your casino. <laughs> you know, maybe there's some irony in a message there. I don't know. Uh, big picture, we had a good time. We saw a new part of the country. The resort was certainly nice, but we are not sure we would go back again. We see not a lot of reason to drive past Casino 1 and our home casino, Casino 2, both of which offer larger casinos, more blackjack tables, more food choices, and to drive two more hours to a lesser resort. In other words, when we had the conversation, we both agreed the offer would have to be almost two or three times as good as what we get from those other casinos for us to drive the extra distance and and have the, the, the lesser food choices and amenities. Now, if we live close, I'm sure I would quickly reach the top tier of their reward system. I almost reached level two in two nights of playing. And the shoe game, if I did that, would certainly be available anytime I called and asked. But at four hours away, Rocky Gap isn't a strong attraction unless we are traveling that way for other reasons. Okay, results segment is next. And then stick around for some great Saturday night Rocky Gap stories in the virtual VIP lounge. All right, here we are. Here we go. Results for the month of August 2023. And if you are new, if this is your first episode and you're, what's going on? Why? What is this? One of our core concepts, concept spelled with a K, is that we are not trying to win every single table, every single machine, every single month. Well, maybe trying's the wrong phrasing there. Casino Combat approaches casinos with the knowledge that no one wins every slot machine. That's certainly true. No one wins every time they sit down at a table. Unless they're... No, no one wins every time they sit down at a table. I know of no strategy allowed in a North American casino that is going to have you win every table every time. That is not what Casino Combat is all about. That's not what our core concepts address. In fact, what we try to do, what we teach in the core concepts, is that we are trying to win the time period. I'm trying to win the month. I'm going to visit a casino usually, most months, at least 20 times. Sometimes that number's a little less. 
Sometimes that number's a lot more. But for the month, I would like to have a win. And I'd like that win to be in cash after expenses. And if that win is not in cash after expenses, then I would like the comps and the gifts, the value of those things, to exceed what I lost or spent. I consider that a win. In the Casino Combat Galaxy in which I operate, in which I encourage all of you to operate, that's how we define winning. And we define losing as reaching the end of a month, having lost or spent more than we won. So we could have won $5 and spent $300 doing it on drinks and tips and food, and that would be a loss. We could also have spent $300 on drinks and tips and food and only won $150. And unless we got comps to make up for it, that's a loss. But that's how we define winning and losing here at our Casino Combat Podcast. So I like to do these segments. I like to wrap up each month. I like to put the results up on the website so that you can look. And I'm not doing that to brag or to boast. Quite frankly, I met a dude named uh, Elgato Gambler through an online Facebook group of his recently. The level at which he gambles? I mean, recently he lost Mrs. TRG's pension for six months on two football wagers. He gambles huge sums of money compared to me. And he will freely tell you that he knows plenty of people that gamble way bigger than he does. He's barely tolerated in the high limit rooms at Bellagio with the people that get the mansions and all of that because he's just a nice guy. So I am not here to brag. I am not here to boast. I am not here to impress you. I am here to show you, here's what I did. Here's what happened. Here's the outcome. And I do that on the assumption of why would you trust a voice on the internet with your money? Why would you do what I've talked about if you didn't have something to base that on? So that's why we do this. That's the purpose of this little block of time that we're going to spend together if you're generous enough to listen. I have an amount of money that I want to win every day. An amount of money that if I win it most days, if I come to the end of the month and I've won it most days, allows me to not close my consulting business and get a real job, which I would rather not do. And so I have that number. It's been the same number for a long time. And I divide all of our results, all of the money spent on things, all of the comps given by that number. So this is as if I earned $1 a day, as if my goal was to earn $1 a day. So whatever your number is, whatever you do earn a day, or whatever you would like to earn a day, multiply my numbers by that amount. I always say, if you're a mortgage broker and you earn $75,000 a day, just multiply one by 75,000. And if you make $75 a day, multiply one by 75. Now you know what this would mean in your life, how your life might or might not be different if you got similar results out of roughly 20 tries of this. Which brings up another great point. If you gamble four times a month, which for a lot of people would be a lot, you can still measure by the month, but understand, I could lose four days in a row or lose, 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 have a small win, and that's just the fourth of the month, literally, like August 4th. Okay, I'm not freaking out about that. I've got the rest of the month. 
but you could certainly go every Saturday and gamble for a few hours and get to the end of the month and go, oh, I didn't do anything. I got, I got crushed. Sure, could happen. So roughly 20 days of gambling, $1 a day scale. Let me pull up the spreadsheet here. Let me take a look. We will be throwing this up on the website, putting it up on the website. That's a better way to say that, perhaps. So here we go. From table games, playing table games, if I earned a dollar a day, we had a profit of $14.33. And if you remember back to the previous episode, that tells you kind of all you need to know. Because I was at about, I don't remember exactly, I was at about 12 days. I was at about $12-ish, as I recall, without pulling it back up. But yeah, I had about... $12 out of 10 attempts, and I was very happy and very proud of myself. But I took some losses, and then we went to Rocky Gap and had some tremendous wins, and all was right with the world, and then came back and finished the month with multiple losing days. And so I really didn't add much to the profit part of this, the gambling wins, over the second half of the month. It was kind of an up and down struggle. A lot of good days, a bad day. And as I said, losing days to to finish things out. I don't win every day. That is why I gamble for the month, not the table, the machine, the day, or the week. Still not a bad month, right? Not everything I'd like it to be, but uh, 14 days pay, a little over 14 and a third dollars, $14.33 on the dollar a day scale, one, playing table games. We added to that. Oh, wait, let me break that down for you. 93 blackjack tables played. 93 blackjack tables played. 62 winning, 31 losing. Not bad. I think part of that is I'm doing the kind of cycling meta martingale now rather than the more rigid meta martingale, and I'm shifting up and shifting down instead of moving between tables. So the table gets recorded at the end, and if I started out losing at what would be Tier 1 and moved up to Tier 2 and won it all back and then won some more, it's a winning table. So not bad numbers there at all. I played one craps table. It was a losing craps table. (laughs) Obviously, something going on there. I don't know if I was hanging out with Gabriel or spiked dice. I don't know if I was killing some time someplace, but played one table, lost one table. I played 17 bubble craps tables, uh, 10 of them winning, 7 of them losing, but the losses were bigger than the wins. I do want to note that this is testing ECE's ambush bubble craps strategy, so I'm still testing, I'm still learning, but I did take a loss there of 74 cents. So those are our table elements that I really track. There may have been There may have been a little video poker here somewhere. There may have been something else scattered in that just, I don't break it down because I do that so seldom, but not bad, not bad at all. Moving on to slots. And we play slots two different ways. In fact, if you go to casinocombat.com, if you spell combat with a K, there is a section called Fred. And Fred used to be our little coded robot that would hand, hand out materials if you sent me an email. And we built Fred into the website. And so if you go to the website, if you click on Fred, you will see a list of things that you can download. And one of them is the Casino Combat Slot Tactics ebook, a book I wrote about how we play slots, which is not what I ever thought this podcast would be about. But 
we will see that it works. Somewhat to my surprise, but it works. And here's what we got this month. We had a profit, cash profit, playing slots using TRG slot strategy El Numero Dos of 93, rounded up 94 cents. Not bad. Just short of a day's pay added in playing slots. We played 20 slot machines, 15 winning, 5 losing with our own money. Who would not love to do that? Right? Anybody that wants to tell you that you can't have a slot strategy? Well, we are not big slot players. And admittedly, we play in a way that you can read about in the book that most many slot players would not find fun. But we're playing for profit, not fun. And it doesn't happen every month. But boy, that's a nice ratio. 20 machines, essentially one a day. And that's not the way it worked. Mrs. TRG probably played two or three on some trips and I played none on some days. 20 machines, 15 winning, 5 losing, just short of a full day's pay from playing slots. On top of that, $1 and rounding up 72 cents on the $1 a day scale in free slot play. Short of, but not much short of, two full days pay that they put in our hands and that we got to put through slot machines. And they put real money in our hands, folks. They just put it on our cards. But metaphorically speaking, it is if... I went to work for two days, made money, got paid, and then went and ran the money through the slot machines. But they just gave me that money for doing nothing, gave us that money for doing nothing. And that's a good thing because in this case, we got $1.29 back from the $1.72 they gave us. The important part here to me at this time, having seen this pair of techniques, this pair of tactics, slot tactics, having seen this play out now for months and months and months and months and months, is this reality from this amount of data. You play some with your own money, and you play some with the money the house gives you, and you mash the two together, you almost always end up with a cash profit at the end of the month. Sometimes you lose a little playing slots with your own money and make it back up the other way. Sometimes it's a combination as we saw here this, this month, but we're well over two days pay in profits from playing slot machines, just from playing slot machines. Easy as could be. So I'm not listening to people tell me that it can't be beaten. And once again, in 10 years, we may find out I was wrong, but there's our slot results. So Profit or loss from gambling. We had a profit of $16.56 if I earned $1 a day. A little over 16 days pay from doing gambling as a side hustle. We had expenses of $2.37. Not particularly large expenses. That gives us a profit or loss after expenses of $14.19. We received $5.63 in various comps. We had 25 cents in match bets. We had 78 cents in free bets. We received 81, call it $82, let's round up, in various gifts. And those were gift cards and appliances and physical things of that nature. Maybe a couple handbags in there. Oh no, some storage dishes or something. But physical gifts that we were given or gift cards that we were given for either grocery stores or big box stores. 
that takes the whole thing for the month of August 2023, value into our lives, cash and comps of various kinds of $23.19, and we're rounding up just a little bit there. It's 18.94. Not bad. $23.19 in value, including hotel rooms and food and meals and free stuff. And as a couple had a blast on the trips we were going, that's a win. That's a wrap. That's the job. I got some great stories for you. Let's go pop some bottles. A little bit of the bubbly. Welcome to the most must-listen-to segment in casino podcasting, the Virtual VIP Lounge, and our lounge is open. We have the best virtual everything virtually all the time. Pour yourself a virtual drink. If you can, pour yourself a real drink. Seriously, if you are driving or working out, maybe press pause and come back to this segment when you can sit down and open a beer or pour a glass of wine. These are stories I would tell sitting in VIP lounges having some drinks with new or old friends. In fact, these are stories that got told in some VIP lounges in Atlantic City recently and that I've been sharing with some of my dealer and pit boss friends and we've been getting some nice chuckles out of. Full disclosure, I enjoyed a bourbon already to get in the right mindset. I did what I advised all of you to do, but first I did a little pre-gaming before doing the virtual VIP lounge segment today. After I finished the uh, results segment, after I buttoned that up, I took a minute, I took a beat, I poured a drink, I enjoyed the drink, I kind of went back through these notes, and I poured another drink and put it right here. And I hope you can find an opportunity in some way to open a beer, pour a glass of wine, pour yourself a cocktail of your choice, and, and join me because, as I said, these are stories that if... If we didn't know each other and we happened to be in the same VIP lounge, if we happened to be at the same bar and we got to talking and swapping stories, these would be stories that in my mind probably would come out fairly quickly now because it happened so recently. So the setting is the small casino at Rocky Gap Resort. It's Saturday night. Lots of people celebrating a wedding. Lots of people dressed up. Lots of people having a good time. Lots of people that enjoyed the open bar at the at the reception, I'm sure. And Mrs. TRG and I are playing continuous shuffle blackjack, $15 table. So a lot of people in and out, a lot of stupid play, a lot of dumb stuff, a lot of not hitting 16s against a 9, a lot of craziness, a lot of people doubling their 8s. The dealer isn't very experienced. The players are not very experienced. And I'm playing the last spot, usually third base. And I am not really paying attention, particularly to this hand. I'm kind of on autopilot. I've been drinking. Mrs. TRG's been drinking. We're having a great time. We're enjoying our evening. And in this particular case, Mrs. TRG and I both have strong hands. We don't really need to do anything but wait for the other five people at the table to play. We're not going to need to split. We're not going to need to double. We're not going to need to take cards. I'm not going to have to answer any questions from my wife. She knows how to play this hand. Someone on the other hand has a blackjack. I'm just people watching, waiting. I'm kind of zoned out, honestly. When my wife slaps my shoulder and points and says, fix this, they need help. And so I focus. The player with the, I get it now. As soon as I, as soon as she prompts me, I focus. The player with the blackjack had wagered a green chip, two red chips, a pink chip, that's $2.50, and four white chips, 
and they got a blackjack. So this is a, let's do the math, 35, 37, 50 plus 4, 41, 50, right? If I did that math right, the dealer stumped on how to properly pay 41. They're just, their gears are grinding on how to pay this weird stack of chips. And the pit boss has already come over and is stumped as well. And it's at that point with all this going on that Mrs. TRG has said, hey, you need to fix this. Step in here. So I, I can see all this. I can see that they're about to take their shoes off and use their toes to do some math. And they keep coming up with different wrong answers. And the other players are confused. And seeing the issue, I say, and I'm sure with a slight slur, it is getting late. I say 62.50. The payout's 62.50. And the pit boss starts to cut me off. And then he says, wait, what? No. I say, yeah. He says, no. I, but he's kind of looking at me like, how'd you get that number so fast? And I said, yeah, that's the right answer. I said, 35 pays 52.50. That's the green and the two red chips. The 250 chip pays $4 since you don't have any 25 cent coins in the rack to pay it correctly. And $4 pays $6. 52.50 plus $10 is 62.50. It's late. Everybody's been drinking. I've been drinking. Obviously, I've been drinking. Jaws drop. Dealer's stunned. Pit boss stares. Mrs. TRG says, go ahead. He's right. You know he's right. He's always right. They lay out the chips, they do the math my way, and pay the player his $62.50. And the pit boss says, okay, what? who are you? What do you do for a living? And how did you just do that? And I said, oh, I play this game about 20 hours a week. That was an easy one. Strange because of the rainbow of chips. You'd have gotten it eventually. The tricky part is you don't have any 25-cent coins to pay the $2.50 bet correctly. He agreed that was the tricky part thanked me and the game continued about an hour later a seat opens up and a young man in a suit with a beer in his hand says mind if i come in and everyone else says oh sure sure come on in and i say i'm on a bit of a run i'm just making a joke here i'm just making an old guy casino joke but i say i'm on a bit of a run would you wait until the end of the shoe now this is an old continuous shuffle joke normally everybody just laughs and we go on with the world but he doesn't laugh no one laughs Seeing no one laugh, Mrs. TRG just smirks. She knows what's going on. And he looks at the pile of chips in front of me and he says, oh, sure, no problem. Play continues. He's got his money in his hand. He's waiting patiently. A few hands later, an older guy comes up to him and says, how's it going? And our young friend says, I haven't played yet. He points to me. He's on a roll and asks me to wait for the end of the shoe. <laughs> the older man kind of gets a twinkle in his eye and he walks around to the end of the table and he whispers behind his hand, how long do you think it's going to take him? And I said, I have the over and under at five more hands. And he kind of thinks for a minute and he says, I'll take the under for $5. And I say, you're on. And I said, and feel free to tell him when we get to hand six and we can go, go on. He says, okay. Well, sure enough, five more hands go by and the player's starting to fume a little bit that I've continued to win. So I'm still on my streak and I get paid my $5. And the older man says, son, this is continuous shuffle. You're going to be waiting a long time. He was just pulling your leg. And now it dawns on him and now it dawns on everybody else at the table who isn't the dealer, Mrs. TRG, or myself. And I said, hey, I'm sorry. I figured you'd catch on to the joke a little sooner than you did. I apologize. I threw him a green chip and said, your first bet's on me. Sorry about the rib. Rocky Gap was a fun place. Maybe we will go back again. Please tip your waitresses, tip your bartenders, tip your dealers. If you have a host, tip your host. 
Don't tip away your wins. Remember your casino wisdoms, everyone. I have spoken. Everything you heard here is true from a certain point of view. In 10 years, we might find out I was wrong about all of this. It's time for leaving, and I do hope you understand I was born a rambling man. Love it, hate it, it don't matter. Please share with your family and friends. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much for the gift of your time today. Stick around for the best part of the podcast, the Casino Combat Blues. several